and welcome to Christ for Us. I am Pastor James Preuss of Trinity Lutheran Church in Ottumwa, Iowa, that portion of God's Word which we consider today the Holy Spirit caused to be recorded in Matthew chapter 22. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. On the Tuesday before he was crucified, just two days after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jesus taught his last recorded sermon or lesson in the temple. And in this final lesson in the temple, Jesus teaches us what every Christian must know to be a Christian. What is the heart of the law? And who is the Christ? If you do not understand what the law is all about and who the Christ is, then you cannot be a Christian. We learned in last week's sermon what the, that the heart of the law is love. The goal of every commandment is that you love God and your neighbor. Jesus proved this by working on the Sabbath day, healing a man with dropsy. Yet he kept the spirit of the commandment by loving his neighbor and his God. So, It is no surprise for us today that when a lawyer asks Jesus what the greatest commandment in the law is, Jesus answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets refers to the Old Testament of the gospel. All of Scripture depends on the commandments to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And so every commandment we see in Scripture reinforces this fundamental goal of love. However, while love sounds nice, the standard of love does not make the law easier for us. Rather, it convicts us of sin at our very heart. Now, when you examine yourself according to the commandments, you can't just say that you've slipped here and there and following a command. No, now your failures always go straight to the heart. Why did you misuse God's name? It's because you don't love God. Why do you miss church all the time? Because you don't love God. Why do you talk back to your mother and show her disrespect? Because you don't love her. Why did you lust after another woman? Because you don't love your wife as yourself. Why did you hit your brother? Because you don't love him. Why did you gossip behind your friend's back? Because you don't love him. Why do you want what your neighbor has? Because you love yourself more than your neighbor, and you don't trust and love God. People will kick back at this. Everyone wants to believe that he can still love God and his neighbor while doing and saying things that are hateful. 
but your words and actions betray your heart. And Scripture declares every intention of the thoughts of man's heart are only evil continually. And Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 19, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. So all of Scripture depends on the command that you love God and your neighbor from the heart, yet Scripture states that you cannot love from the heart. Therefore, it is necessary for you to have a new heart. So while Jesus masterfully and beautifully sums up all of Scripture with this message of love, the commandment to love hangs over our heads as a heavy burden. Next, Jesus asks, whose son is the Christ? Now, Scripture is clear that the Christ is David's son. God promised King David that he would raise up a son from him who would sit on his throne forever. Read 2 Samuel chapter 7 and 1 Chronicles chapter 17. And the prophet in the prophets in one accord proclaim the son of David to be the Christ. We hear this every Christmas tide when we hear the prophecy of Isaiah that the stump of Jesse, that is David's father, will send forth a shoot who will stand for a signal for the peoples. We hear that in that great hymn, Lo Hawa Rose Bloometh. This is why the chief priests and scribes were so indignant when the crowds and the children were singing to Jesus, Hosanna to the son of David. By calling him the son of David, they were declaring Jesus to be the Christ. Now, it's not controversial that David's son is the Christ. It's somewhat controversial that Jesus is the Christ. But what Jesus says next is the most controversial teaching. How is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? For us Christians, it's obvious that Jesus is what Jesus is implying with this question. The Christ is not only David's son, but he is David's Lord. The Christ is David's God. But before we delve into the significance of that, let's back up and focus on one thing that Jesus says almost in passing. Jesus references Psalm 110 saying, how is it that David in the spirit calls the Christ Lord? Did you catch that? This in the spirit. What spirit? The Holy Spirit. David wrote Psalm 110 by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This means that Psalm 110 is not simply a poem written by King David. It is a prophecy caused to be written by God, the Holy Spirit himself. In fact, all the Psalms were created, were caused to be written by the Holy Spirit. This means that when you pray the Psalms, you are praying a prayer which was composed in heaven for you. This, is, this also means that the Psalms are, fulfilled, are filled with prophecies about the Christ and his work of salvation. St. Peter proved this by quoting Psalm 16, where King David says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. Peter points out in Acts chapter 2 that, that, that David did in fact die, and that his tomb was still present to that day. So David was prophesying about Jesus Christ, who though he died, God raised him from the dead. So we learn from Jesus and his apostles to Search for Christ in the Psalms. Psalm 22, the first line of which Jesus quoted from the cross, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Also records David saying, They have pierced my hands and my feet, and they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So we see clearly that David here prophesies not of himself, but of Jesus Christ. Christ. 
Yet, it is not only the Psalms which prophesy of Christ. Every page of Scripture speaks of Christ, so that from the Old Testament, we learn of Jesus' virgin birth, his divinity and humanity, his atoning death for our sins, and his glorious resurrection from the dead, and his ascension at the right hand of God the Father. This is why Jesus told his disciples after his resurrection, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So we learn that the entire Bible is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, and is God's word. We learn that the Bible reveals the truth of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we learn that the Bible is fully trustworthy. The last time Jesus stands in the temple, before he is crucified, just days after he is proclaimed to be the son of David by the crowds, Jesus argues from Holy Scripture that the Christ, the son of David, is David's Lord. Jesus, David's son, is David's Lord. Now, why does this matter? It matters because Jesus is anointed by God, not simply to be a national hero like David or Saul, but to rescue all peoples from their sin. David said that the Lord said to his Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. There is only one Lord, yet the Lord spoke to David's Lord. God is one, yet God spoke to God. Psalm 110 teaches us of the Holy Trinity. To be at God's right hand means to be equal to God. No one can be equal to God but God. So we learn that the Son is equal to the Father. There is one God, yet three co-equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yet we also learn that the Son is David's Son. He is God, yet he is man. He bears our human flesh, yet he sits on God's throne. This means that the enemies placed under his feet are not territorial leaders like the kings of the Philistines, Syrians, or Romans. The enemies Christ comes to conquer are sin, death, and hell. Satan himself is placed under Jesus' feet. The prophet cries, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And the apostle Paul answers that the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has ransomed us from death by paying for our sins. He, he, being our brother in the flesh, placed himself under the law and was judged according to the law. Being found blameless, he suffered for our sins in our place. Being true God, his suffering is a sufficient price for our sins and infinitely more. So when Christ is placed on his rightful throne in heaven, our sin, our guilt, our Satan, our death, and our hell are all placed under his feet. So the Christ prophesied of in scripture is a savior from sin, death, and hell. Our hearts betray us because by causing us to sin against the law of love, yet Christ comes and fulfills the law of love for us so that we may be saved through faith. And the same Holy Spirit who caused the message of Christ to be written down in Holy Scripture also works through the preaching of this word to create a new heart within your breast so that you may believe the promise of Christ that he has borne your sins and that whoever believes in him will be saved. But wait a minute. 
What about those two commandments upon which all of Scripture hangs? Those two commandments that demand our love for God and our neighbor from the heart. Those two commandments which expose our sinful hearts and condemn us to hell. Those two commandments which the Holy Spirit himself caused to be recorded. Do we ignore them and cast them away? How can we without undoing all of Scripture? We do not cast them away but we find our find their fulfillment in Christ. Christ Jesus, David's son, loved the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, and mind, even dying on the cross out of obedience to God. And Christ loved his neighbor instead of himself, suffering and dying for us so that we might have eternal life. He fulfilled the law for us. Yet this law of love remains God's eternal will for us. He saved us through faith so that we would continue in this love. So by the power of the same Holy Spirit who caused the gospel to be written and who caused faith in our, who created faith in our hearts, we too learn to love God with all our hearts and our neighbors as ourselves. Because of our sinful flesh, we do this imperfectly now, but God forgives our weakness for Christ's sake. Yet through faith in Christ, we do grow to love God more and more and our neighbor as, our, as well. Jesus did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill the very heart of them, love. And he did not do this to free us from the activity of the law of love, but to free us from the condemnation of hate. Yet on that on which the law and the prophets depend still stands. And in our renewed state in the resurrection, we will truly love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and our neighbors as ourselves forever. May God grant us to begin such love today. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. Trinity Lutheran Church invites you to join us for worship. We worship every Saturday night at 6 and every Sunday morning at 9. We would love to have you with us. We're located on Shawl Avenue in Ottumwa, where the church on the hill next to Wildwood Park. You can learn more at ChristForUs.org and find many more of these sermons. And you can follow it on Spotify or Podbean or wherever you want to follow it and share it uh, with others. And please, uh, and uh, we hope that you would so that more people can hear these sermons and uh, would join us for church. And uh, we invite you to tune in again next week at the same time for another broadcast of Christ for us. Oh, yeah.